John 1.14 says, The Word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. We have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. Our prayer is that you might see God's love and faithfulness as you listen to our Sunday morning message here at First Methodist Bryan. Oh, that's right, relationship builders. It also reminds me of one of my favorite jokes. I don't usually take time in worship to tell you jokes. I could, but I don't. Um, therefore, I hold back a lot of my sense of humor, but one of my favorite stories about the student in college, and he thought he would get an easy class, an easy A. So he took a course in ornithology. That's the study of birds. So we went a whole semester and thought, man, this is so easy. Gets to the final exam, and the professor decides to give a very difficult exam. And this professor was really bad with students' names. Couldn't remember anybody's names. So... He hands out the test, and it's a picture of birds from the legs down, just the legs, only the legs. And the student was so infuriated. He was, he just had had it. He took the test. He went up to the teacher. He slammed it on the desk, and he said, I can't take this test. And he began to walk out, and the teacher said, wait a minute, wait a minute, what's your name? And the student did this. You tell me. You tell me. That is sometimes a great icebreaker when you forget somebody's name. Today, I am finishing the sermon series on the Lord's Prayer. I've preached this for about three months following my sabbatical where I spent a lot of time just reading about and studying prayer. Read a book on all the prayers of the Bible. The great classic book with Christ in the school of prayer and, and others. Why did I do this? I have it on my heart and I've been praying for revival in our church. And I don't believe revival ever happens unless the church has a revival of prayer. And you're the church and as individuals we need to have a revival of prayer, and the church does. The disciples asked Jesus one day, Lord, teach us to pray. Rabbi, teach us to pray. So Jesus gave them what we call the Lord's Prayer, other people call it the disciples' prayer, because it should be prayed by disciples. We memorize it. I'm one of the few pastors I know that still has in worship that we all say the Lord's Prayer together. I think you need to memorize the prayer but you shouldn't pray it just by rote memory. It shouldn't be just something you pray. To me, it's an outline. And so I've been teaching you how I outline my prayer. And today, at the end of the service, if you want to pick up my one-page document outlining how I pray, it's in the back for you in the foyer, or it's in the narthex. You'll see it's one page. That just because I do it this way, in no way means you need to do it this way or it's the right way. But at some point in your life, you have to come up with how you're going to spend time in prayer. For me, it's a time of worship. It's a time of praise and a time of prayer. And I spend time in personal worship to do this. 
you have to figure that out on your own. But you have to come to Jesus and say, Lord, teach me to pray. You need to be with Christ in the school of prayer. We've been using also as an acronym, P-R-A-Y, P for pause, R for rejoice, A for ask, Y for yield. You can take the Lord's Prayer and you can also divide it that way. So I wanted to quickly review where we've been. First, I began with a P for pause. You cannot pray unless you set aside a time and a place. How many people ever pray by accident? Nobody prays by accident. You decide you're going to set aside a time and a place and do it every day. It is a means of grace, a means of worship. It's a means of fellowship in the Holy Spirit with the Lord. I hope if I've accomplished one thing that I've convinced you that you need to set aside a time and a place For me, it's my grandparents' chair that I was given when they passed away. And that's my favorite place to pray. And when the weather gets better like it is now, hallelujah, the back back porch on the swing. When you begin your time of prayer, it's a time of rejoicing. You should be glad you're about to enter into Worship and fellowship with the Lord. And as you enter into fellowship, Jesus says, the first thing is to give God your praise. Hallowed be thy name. To hallow the name of God is to revere it, to exalt him. And the name of God talks about all of who God is, God's character, his nature. He is the God who has sent his son for us, who laid down his life for us, So he's our father. Jesus said we can call him our father. We have the privilege of calling the God of all creation such an intimate word as our father. How do we have that right? Only because of Jesus. Because he's adopted us into God's family. So we're a child of God. As a child of God, you have the right to call him father. So give him praise and rejoice. Then there's a time in prayer, many people just skip this part, where you're seeking to know the will of God. You're praying for his kingdom to come, for his will to be done. Well, if you're praying, seeking the kingdom, that means you're praying for people to come to know Jesus as their Savior. You're praying for people that need to know him. I hope you have a list of people that you're praying for, family or friends, so that every day you pray for them and it causes you to remember that you are a witness for Jesus throughout the day, praying for people to come into the kingdom and for those who are in the kingdom to fully experience the fullness of the kingdom. The Bible says that the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy. So you're praying for people to experience the fullness of God's kingdom. And you're praying for God's will to be done. How do you know God's will? You're not going to know God's will without knowing the word of God. So you're going to take the word of God and apply it to your life. And God's will will never be departing from what the word of God says. If anybody ever says to you, 
well, the Bible says that, but we don't believe that anymore. Or the Bible says that, but that's old-fashioned. That's false teaching. You need to know the Word of God. And when you pray, you need to seek what God's will is. There are many times when I'm making decisions, and I'm taking the Word of God and applying it, and the decisions are hard. What do you do about this particular thing? And you're seeking God's will. Then when you come into this time of prayer, you have three big asks that are in the Lord's Prayer. You're asking for something in the present, which is the needs that you have and other people have. You're asking for something in the past, which is forgiveness of your past sins. And you're asking for something in the future, which is, Lord, lead me not into temptation. You're praying for the Lord to lead you. So this part of the prayer deals with the past, present, and the future. And so when I'm praying this, I'm aware of that. The very first thing that I'm praying is to live as a king's kid, to live right now. And so before I ask the Lord anything that I have the right to ask as a king's kid, before I ask him anything, I'm going to first thank him. Give us this day our daily bread. Lord, I just want to thank you for meeting my needs, for the daily bread that I have, for the things that I have that are even beyond what I can imagine. I would not dare go to my dad and ask him for something if I had not shown him the respect that he deserves by thanking him for all the blessings he's poured out. So I spend time giving God thanks, and that creates in me a grateful heart, which is why y'all ask me, how am I? I'll often say, I'm grateful. That's where I want my heart to be. Then I turn and I pray for the present needs, first of other people. I pray the Lord will give them their daily bread, because I'm in the body of Christ, and I'm in a community of faith, and I'm praying for you. I take the prayer list of the church. I hope y'all take the prayer list of the church. And I pray for the people that are on that list. One of those people on that list is a former secretary of this church over 40 years ago, Frances Allen. She just turned 98 years old this week. I went to see her Friday. She's under hospice care now. Y'all lift up Frances. Soon she will be home with Jesus. And I had a good visit with her. I hope my mind is as sharp as Frances' mind I'm, I'm hoping just that for next year, okay? But she's amazing. Pray for people on the prayer list. Pray for your church family. I know you have other people to pray for, but pray, and this is what I do. I say, Lord, these people need their needs met, daily bread. And if I know what those needs are, I'll be specific. But often I'll say, Lord, I can't imagine what all the needs they have but I know you know. And then I'll turn and pray for my own needs. That's okay to do. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that the Lord delights in giving you the desires of your heart. This is a delightful time for the Lord to hear you say, Lord, here's something I think I need, and I need this. And so I bring it to the Lord, and I pray and trust him. I'm asking for the present right now, and I'm going to give him thanks when he answers. The next question that's here, this nest, the next ask, 
is, Lord, forgive me my sins as I forgive those who sin against me. This is a time of confession. You can't ask for forgiveness of sins unless you first confess them. You can't confess them unless the Holy Spirit brings them to mind. So take a moment and let the Holy Spirit search your heart. And if there's something where you know you're not right with God, confess that, repent of it, ask forgiveness. And the Bible says this. It says in 1 John chapter 1, and sometimes I'll say this in my prayer, Lord, you say if we confess our sins, you are faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make God out to be a liar and his word is not in us. I got good news. When you confess your sin and ask forgiveness, Jesus will forgive you of your sin. And it's also tied to you forgiving others of their sins against you. And so if you're praying and you know you've sinned and you need to go and make something right, you need to go have a conversation with somebody or if they've sinned against you, you need to release that. Otherwise, you're going to hold yourself in prison. You're going to be more miserable probably than they are. Forgive them. Release them. And trust the Lord to deal with it. Vengeance is not yours. That's up to the Lord. Have grace and mercy on them as you want the Lord to have grace and mercy on you. Then, if you are able, seek reconciliation. Sometimes that's not possible. But if it is possible, be at peace with everybody. Then the next ask is about your future. It's about your day ahead. Lord, lead me. Lead me in paths of righteousness. That's Psalm 23, verse 3. And Lord, lead me, guide me, strengthen me, ready me to face the trials and temptations that I'm going to face. So this is a time when I'm praying, Lord, help me put on the full armor of God today because I'm about to be in spiritual battle. How do I know that? The very next line of the prayer says, deliver me from evil. It technically says, deliver me from the evil one. We're in a spiritual battle. You're going to win those battles as you're prayed up. So pray up. Put on the full armor of God. The verse that we read today reminds us of that, that we are to be ready for battle. Don't fight naked. Be in prayer. Put on the full armor of God. That brings me to the last part of the prayer. To me, this is the yield part. Having, having prayed, I, I want to be sure that I'm going to yield everything to him and trust him with it. There are two places in Scripture where you'll find the Lord's Prayer. Luke 11, verses 1 to 4, and then in Matthew 6. You'll find there's a difference between the two. In Luke 11, it leaves out the last part of this prayer that Matthew inserts. Scholars will argue about this until Jesus comes. All I know is it's in Matthew 6, and so I'm going to pray it. And I found it. I found it also in the book of Revelation, the 19th chapter, as a threefold hallelujah. There is a scene in heaven that is taking place when Jesus comes back and on the earth he's doing all the things to establish his kingdom. And what's going on in heaven, guess what it says? This threefold hallelujah. It says, after this I heard what sounded like the roar of a great multitude in heaven 
And here's what they said. Hallelujah. Salvation and glory and power belong to our God. So at the end of my prayer time, I remind myself that all these things belong to the Lord. His kingdom, which is how we're going to be saved. His glory and His power. I've had to think a lot about this part of the prayer until I got to a point where I could pray something that works for me. You have to decide how it's going to work for you. For me, this works. I prayed, Lord, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. So what are we doing here? To me, this is a purpose statement about life. First, I'm acknowledging and affirming that the entire reason for everything, including my very life, is the Lord and His kingdom. I'm reminding myself of that purpose. I'm confessing that I have eternal life due to His power and His sacrifice for me and that I'm part of His kingdom and called to live for His glory. And that all belongs to Him. I consecrate it all to Him. So the prayer also does the second thing. It ends with me affirming something. In other words, saying yes to something. I'm agreeing that I belong to Jesus. Just as it's true that the kingdom belongs to Him, that means everything. That He has all power and deserves all glory. It's also true that I belong to him. And so, Lord, I'll say that. Lord, I belong to you and I trust you today. So let's go over those three parts quickly. Belongs to you, Lord, the kingdom. It says in 1 John 3, this is how we know that we what? Say that word with me. Belong to the truth. And how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. Well, how do you set your heart at rest in His presence? If our hearts condemn us, we know that God is greater than our hearts. God knows everything. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God. What does that confidence lead us to do? The next verse. Receive from Him anything we ask. There's a caveat, the next phrase. Because we keep His commands and do what pleases Him. I will sometimes quote this verse in my prayer time to remind the Lord, Lord, I trust you. I belong to you. I know I can receive what I ask, but I have to ask abiding in you and in the right way, according to your will. Then the next part of this says, belongs to you the power. I will often say, Lord, I know that you are exceedingly able to do beyond what I could ask or think. So Lord, if I've asked anything here and you want to give me something better then shut my mouth give me lord what you know is the best in this situation i trust you and then this last part of the prayer reminds us of our very purpose for living belongs to you lord all the glory it says in second peter three eighteen to grow in the grace and knowledge of our lord and savior jesus christ to him be the glory now and forever. 
Over the years, I've learned, especially in the last year, to understand this part of the prayer as we also sing to the Lord, Lord, I belong to you. I give you this day. It's your day. I give you me. Whatever you want to do, use me, Lord. I belong to you. I did a word search this week on the word belong. I highly recommend it. I could preach for hours on that one word. I have lots of scripture that I'm going to share, but I don't have time this morning. But I do want to share a few. It says if in Romans 8 verse 9, and I think Joe was teaching on Romans 8 this morning in Sunday school. It says if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But because you as a believer have the Holy Spirit given to you, you belong to Christ. There are those who've fallen away from the Lord that we're warned about. And in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 39, it says they no longer belong. But then in Colossians 2.20, it says, Since you died with Christ, you no longer belong to the world. You belong to Christ. I wish I had time to go over the other scriptures, but I just need to wrap this up today. In some churches, in some churches when we baptize an infant, we will light a candle and give to the parents. Why? We do that here. Why? To remind the parents to take that candle out every year on the birthday or the anniversary of baptism or both. And remind that child that they belong to Christ. That they've been claimed by the Lord as a child of God. And that they will need to make a decision for themselves. That they choose. They choose to be a child of God. That candle is a reminder. But every time we pray, it ought to be a reminder we belong to Christ. Martin Luther, the great hero of the Reformation, it's the reason you're here today, was a man that sometimes suffered great depression. He got low many times. I think you might get low too if the Pope was after you and they wanted to kill you. Martin Luther would sometimes feel this, this depression and he would stop and he would turn and he would speak to Satan as if Satan was there. And he would say, I am baptized. I belong to Christ. I belong to him. And in that powerful moment of prayer, it would change him. I think that's why we pray. To remind ourselves that we belong to Christ. If indeed you belong. I hope everybody in this place is a believer and belongs to Christ. If you're here today and you are not sure that you've ever confessed Christ as Lord and Savior, I invite you to do it in this very moment so that you can say from this day forward, I belong to Jesus. He is mine and I'm His. I have learned through a daily devotional that I've asked all of you, all of you, 
to subscribe to in your email called the wake up call from seedbed i've learned every day to say this and lately i've been I've, sometimes i say it out loud because it reminds me that i belong to jesus it says wake up sleeper rise from the dead christ will shine on you and then it says jesus i belong to you i lift my heart to you i set my mind on you i fix my eyes on you i offer to you my body as a living sacrifice jesus we belong to you praying in the name of the father son and holy spirit i want to invite you to pray this lord's prayer today hopefully over the last three months i've opened it up for you i've at least shared with you how i pray it how it is for me i want you to be with christ in the school of prayer and learn to pray and that's something the holy spirit will lead you to do as you study his word and as you pray what good is it if somebody comes up here and teaches you every week about prayer if you don't pray i spent a whole semester at seminary in a course with a teacher where he let me read all kinds of books on prayer and he and i would talk about prayer and the one truth i got out of that semester is it doesn't do any good at all to study all this stuff about prayer if you don't pray would you join me in the Lord's Prayer? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power. Thank you for listening. Lord, forever. We hope that you have encountered the risen Jesus today. If you want to hear more, please consider subscribing. We would also welcome you to join us in person. For more information, please visit us at fmcbryan.org.